Welcome into episode eight of the Pierce Hockey Podcast with Tyler Arago, with my co-host. I'm Ezra Janello, and we weren't really sure if we were going to have an episode eight during this whole COVID nineteen thing, but we're here and we're back. and And Tyler, how has it been for you during COVID nineteen? Uh, Ezra, it's been all right. I think I think it's been about as good as it could be. We're getting through it uh, day by day mentality, hoping it gets better sooner than later, but yeah, I think all in all, despite everything, we're we're plugging along. We're doing okay. I, I listened to an interview today, Nick Swisher on, on the short porch. It's a bar stool podcast for the Yankees. And he listening to him, I mean, I was ready to run through a wall. I don't care if you're a Yankees fan or a Red Sox fan or not even a baseball fan, you gotta go listen to that interview because everything that that man said had to do with life and, and just finding the best things in it. So I, I'm pumped up right now. Like you said, we're, we're finding ways through it. We've been on Zoom calls every day for the past yep. couple of days because, you know, it's spring weekend. Uh, but, you know, just chilling out, doing our thing. And we saw this week that the men's team, they got a couple more commits that are coming into Franklin Pierce. And the, the women, they've got one coming in too, and Emily Prive. We'll get into that a little later. But we're going to start with the guys. And we, we already spoke about Nick Weaver, Will Wolford, Stephen Wellesley, Jackson Dobek and John Jammers, well, they decided let's add a couple of names to the list. They already had two Boston Junior Rangers coming into the team next year. They added a third in Demetrius Christo. They added a Boston Junior Bruin in Trevor Lawler, a Northern Cyclone in Anthony Caparo, and a second player from Team Maryland in Cody Rumsey. Two forwards, two defensemen. And that really rounds out the, the incoming freshman class for the Ravens. We said they were a little stacked on one end. They needed to add a couple more defensemen, and that's exactly what they do with this new set of commits tie. Yeah, we knew that there's there's going to be holes to plug up in the lineup, as is the case always when you have a graduating class, especially a, a prolific graduating class like this class of 2020. And I think that you see Coach Miller just trying to cover all his bases here. You can't have too much of a good thing at, at one position per se. So um, going with the two forwards and the two defensemen to round out the rest of this commitment class, what it looks like, it just shows that He's trying to make sure he has the depth that he needs at every position on the ice because they're going to lose some really big players who ate up a lot of ice time and produced a lot of points, and you can't necessarily replace those players with just one guy. So I think he's doing his due diligence to make sure that his roster is going to be deep enough next year as they try and contend and win an any 10 championship, which they came so close to this past season with a roster that is now deeper with this wave coming in of, of incoming freshmen. So the first player of this this new wave, Demetrius Christo, he played for the Boston Junior Rangers last year. Already two commits that played there last year. And you have Anthony Nicolopoulos, who's a Junior Ranger alum. He played for the organization for a couple of years. And Christo, he's, he's played around the country, really. Syracuse stars, Skinnat. Skinatatales High in, in New York. I don't know that I'm saying that right. Oswego Stampede. Uh, then he moved over to Boston Junior Rangers, played in the EHL this year and the EHLP, played 12 games in that lower division, seven assists on the blue line, and then seven games up in the higher league for one assist, one total point. So I, I think you're going to see a guy a lot like Sean Munzing. I don't know that he's going to join in the offense a ton. I think he's going to be good on defense, huh, Tyler? Yeah, I think so too, Ezra. And I think that if you're Coach Murick, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think 
the one of the big differences between the men's and the women's team is is how active both their respective blue lines are. And I think the men's team this year, what made them so successful is is in part that the D was getting involved in the offense and was making plays happen. But I think what what makes things work for this for this men's team is they're not flashy back there, but they get the job done. You have solid, sturdy players back there who aren't going to light it up point-wise, but they're going to make the right plays in their own end. They're going to get pucks out. They're going to block shots. They're going to play hard each and every night. You mentioned a guy like Sean Munzing. I, I'll mention a guy in John Booslin. You know, not a, not a noted goal scorer, not a noted point scorer, but he could always contribute in a variety of ways. And I think that the Ravens, look for that kind of mold in their defensemen. I think it's been a trend. They they have had always these steady presences back there. Certainly not like a Tory Krug kind of player. So and I think that's okay. It works. You don't need your defenseman perhaps to to light it up every night. And I think that with this pick right here and and bringing in this player, I think Coach Murick is looking for just a similar mold of a, a reliable stay at home kind of defenseman. We're going to move on to the next defenseman coming into the Ravens roster. Another California guy. You lose Matthew Toombs, a California West Coast man. Well, you pick up Anthony Caprero from Hacienda Heights, California. He spent the past couple of years with the Northern Cyclones in the USPHL. Since 2017-2018, I think you see a lot of that where players from the West Coast, that non-traditional hockey markets, come to the East Coast and the Northeast, Boston, New Hampshire, Maine, Vermont, New Jersey, New York, that these these states to play junior hockey or high school hockey more more so in those north states, but again, 2017-2018 he started his tenure with the Northern Cyclones last year, played in the USPHL Premier, 43 games, 3 goals, 3 assists for 6 points, 37 penalty minutes in those 43 games. So we just mentioned that's that's a good thing to have those defensive defensemen. Well, you just picked up two of them in this latest wave of commits. Yeah, and I think what you're going to get with Caparo is is something similar, just a, a guy who's going to play hard in his own end. He's going to tr- try and make the right plays more often than not. He's going to be steady back there. He's not going to wow you necessarily with, with goal scoring or point producing, but he can contribute when he when he needs to on that side of the on that side of the puck. The 37 penalty minutes and 43 games played are going to indicate to me that he plays a little bit on the edge, and I think that there's nothing wrong with that. It, it, it's important for a championship contending team to have. You mentioned Matt Toombs, and we know that what he would always bring to the table in terms of his uh, irritation and, and agitation out on the ice. So I think if you can add a player like that, a similar built in a sense where He's going to scrap and fight and, and, and give the opponent a hard time. I think that's a very valuable thing to add to, to your team. So now, now hopping on to the offensive end of the ice, and we're going to stay local with this one. East Bridgewater, Massachusetts, Trevor Lawler. Last year, another USPHL team, the Boston Junior Bruins, again, right in the area. Not only did he play in the USPHL Premier last year, he also got three games in up in the NCDC. That's something you really like to see. For, from a player coming into D2 hockey is, is playing up with the big boys, not just in the USPHL Premier or the EHL Elite levels. But last year in the USPHL, 35 games, 8 goals, 19 assists, 27 total points. Didn't go to the box once. Again, those three games up in the NCDC, no goals, no assists, no penalty minutes. But 
I think this guy, he gets a lot of assists, 19 assists last year, scored eight goals in 35 games. I think he's going to be a good third-line, fourth-line guy his freshman year and maybe jump into a second-line role for the next three. He could certainly be the uh, he could certainly be what Connor Foley was this year as a freshman. Uh, Connor Foley came in as a, as a freshman. He started off centering the fourth line, and he would end the year as the uh, second line center for the Ravens. So I think that this is a player in in Lawler who you mentioned the the assists. He had 13 assists the year prior too, and cracked 20 points, and then 19 assists this year and cracking almost 30 with 27. So a player that could come in right away and make an impact and move up the lineup maybe quicker than some of the other incoming freshmen, but certainly going to be interesting to see how that will fit in the lineup. You know that you're losing Jimmy Morrissey and Alex Lester, two pretty high-powered offensive players, so Lawler perhaps could step in and uh, recover some of those losses that Franklin Pierce will lose on the offensive side of things. And and that brings us to the guy who, who might just be the one to recover those losses, Cody Rumsey, a Pennsylvania native from York, Pennsylvania, Played for Team Maryland last year, and get this, in 42 games in the EHL elite level last year, Rumsey had 40 points, 13 goals, 27 assists. He committed to Franklin Pierce. Before that, he played for Wilkes-Barre Scranton for a couple of years, Skipjacks Hockey Club U18, Philadelphia Little Flyers, all these teams that, that are good. They, they get commitments at the next level. They have good levels in their inside of their organization, so... This, this next commit for the Ravens, Cody Rumsey, I think he's, he's going to be a, a good standout freshman for the Ravens next year. I could certainly see it, Ezra. He's got a very solid pedigree in junior hockey, and you have to imagine that he, he won't put up 40 points in his first year with Franklin Pierce, but he certainly has the ability to put up a lot of points. And I think if you're the Ravens, you don't expect – Alex Lester in any sense because you can't replace a player like that but if you can get and bring in a couple of forwards who are talented and able to put up points multiple points at that it's going to help in shoring things up and making sure that you're not falling behind the NE10 is we saw it this year very run and gun conference it's it's not a friendly one to the goaltenders in the slightest I'm sure we talked to Ian he may or may not agree but I think that Having a player like Rumsey, a player who is not afraid to get in on the offense, not afraid to set up his teammates. He had 27 assists last year. I think it's going to be a great addition for the Ravens, along with Lawler. You've got two players who are who are crafty up front, seem to have no trouble in setting their teammates up, and that's going to be huge because scoring by committee is going to be what Franklin Pierce needs to really put an emphasis on next year. And and you hear a lot in the pro levels when you're in a contract year, you want to play as best as you can well. This year for Rumsey, he was in his, his last year of juniors. He wanted to play as well as, as good as possible. So the year beforehand, 2018, 2019, 28 total points, 11 goals, 40, 11 goals, 17 assists in 44 games. Well, two less games. He's got one less assist than he had total points the entire year before. So hopefully he carries that momentum into Franklin Pierce and Ringe. And we, we see some good hockey coming from Cody Rumsey, but now that we've gotten through the recruits, we have a couple of, of, of awards that Franklin Pierce gave out to their players since our last episode. The first one was the Roscoe Sweeney Award, the Rookie of the Year. That one was a no-brainer. Connor Foley, what he did this year, he, he played extremely well in his first year. Like you said, ended up on that second line in the, in the championship game and really set the tone at the beginning of the year. 
Connor Foley was was a player that that came in Ezra, and I think that it took him a little bit to get that first goal. But I, I'll never forget when he scored it. The the energy that that he showed on the celebration, it just it showed just what what kind of player he is. He, he plays hard. He plays with passion, and and I think that as he continues to go throughout his career at Franklin Pierce, he's only going to keep maturing and, and getting better. And, you know, Alex Lester was the, the best player on the Ravens last year, their captain, their top line center. Who's to say that Connor Foley couldn't potentially step in and, and fill that void that's going to be left behind as his career rolls along, whether it's from a leadership standpoint or eventually becoming this team's top line center. The next award that got announced, another no-brainer, the Evan Merrick Award, strength and, condition, strength and Conditioning, Ian Wallace. When I first saw this, I thought it was the Goalie of the Year Award. That would have been a no-brainer, but are you paying attention with the social media takeovers? Yes. Okay, Ian Wallace. That that gym looks unreal, and, and you could tell that, that he's a big strength and conditioning guy. You can tell that it gets used, that's for sure. And I, I remember talking with coach Milrick uh, about two years ago with, with Tom McGuckin having graduated the, the confidence he would have in, in Ian Wallace stepping up as a full-time starter at this level. And it was evident right off the bat that, you know, the coaching staff had a lot of faith in Ian because he was so committed and his work ethic was, was, was right there with what it takes to be a starting goalie at this level. And he had the best season of his collegiate career last year, 10 wins, save percentage, nine sixteen. Got his first career shutout, too, in a very, very big game. One of the biggest games the program's ever played, and he, he gets a shutout against Assumption. So he showed up this year in a big, big way. And the Ravens, they tightened up defensively, no doubt about it. But he still faced 730 shots this season. He had a very busy campaign. And to come away with a 916 save percentage and 10 wins, I mean, you know, it just it, it shows that hard work paying off. And no better person than, than Ian Wallace to, to reap those rewards. He's a, he's a great kid. The next one, the Jimmy McDonald Award, seventh player of the year, Chris Stevenson. So this one this one kind of got me. When they say seventh player of the year, do they mean like something like a sixth man in, in the NBA? I would say, yeah. Like I know the Bruins have one where it's the player who performs above the expectation of, of like the fans or something like that. And if if that was the case, I mean, a 37-point season from, from Chris Stevenson was, was certainly something to, that went above above and beyond, I, I think. I, I mean, yeah, and, and, and we go back. They just posted that TikTok on Instagram of his game-winning goal in overtime in the semifinals against Assumption. And talk about exceeding expectations this year. And, and that does two things. One, yeah, that gets you pumped up. But, but now the, the bar is set even higher for next year. And... and if I was a betting man, I'd tell you that that he's going to reach that bar and he might just exceed expectations again next year too. I think that this team is capable of that as well. Uh, but but Stevenson certainly going to is going to be an individual that will stand out next year, and you and you have to think that teams are going to be looking to play him even harder and tougher than they did this year. I mean, seventeen goals, twenty assists, thirty-seven points. He was second on the team behind Alex Lester at forty. They formed the best line in the NE10 along with Jimmy Morrissey. It wasn't even close. And it's just, it's insane because Stevenson is a freshman, three goals, five assists, eight points, and 19 games played. You think, okay, not too shabby of a, of a freshman campaign. You know, your first go at call it collegiate hockey at, at the NCAA level. 
he plays 32 games the following season. The Ravens have their best season in program history, and, and he was one of the major catalysts. 17 goals after scoring three the year before. I mean, if that's not exceeding expectations, then I don't know what is. But well, good, I, on Steve, good on Stevenson and, and good on the rest of the Ravens because they really just they rode all this to, to a finals appearance. It's I, impressive. I think part of those 17 goals, though, is, is he got the trust from Coach Miller. Again, only 19 games played in his freshman year. Not as not a small amount of games played. A good amount of games in your freshman year, but Coach Miller kind of extended the leash that he's giving to Chris Stevenson in his sophomore year, letting him play some more hockey and letting him letting him be Chris Stevenson. And Chris Stevenson's a good hockey player, and he, he really showed it this year. The The next award, the Alex Scheipler Award, Defensive Player of the Year. Paul Ankoviak, and, and how many big hits did we see from Paul Ankoviak this year, Ty? I think between him and Pat, they they were throwing their weight around, and and both of them deserve a lot of credit because they really stepped up along with Mark and Delicato. They really formed a big three back there on, on defense of, of experience and, and, and shutdown as well, and, and I think that was something that was missing the year before at a consistent basis. I think the Ravens at times as a team allowed the opponent to just force their will onto them. And I think this year the defense really improved. They really stepped up and those three guys in particular did, but Paul had a great season. I, I, re- I was watching the, the game uh, against St. Michael's. He scored in the third period. It was a thing of beauty, just old fashioned, pull, pull it back and let it go. A slap shot from the far point, And he had a great celebration and, it was great. He had eight points on the season. Uh, and again, he's one of those defensemen where not going to stand out offensively, but he can still make plays on that end of the ice as well as being responsible in his own end. And, and I think Paul had his best season to date. It's going to be awesome to see what him and Pat can do next year as, as seniors as they team up as the most likely uh, top pairing back there on defense for Coach Murray. The next award won by two players. They, they are the co-Bruce Marshall Award winners, the Community Leadership and Excellence Awards. Johnny Booslin and Matt Toombs, and two guys who, if you ask anybody on campus that doesn't watch hockey about two guys on the hockey team, I think you're going to get two answers, Matt Toombs and Johnny Booslin. Johnny Booslin, very involved with the Business Mind Clubs. I think he's the president yep. of Top of the Knock, the Maple Syrup Company on campus. And then you've got I want to say yes. And then you've got Matt Toombs, who's very involved with the Center for Academic Excellence. I know I went to a couple of their meetings my freshman year, like a couple of their talks, and Matt Toombs was there. And, and I spoke at the beginning of this episode about Nick Swisher and the interview that he gave on the on the podcast I was listening to on the way home today. Matt Toombs reminds me a lot of Nick Swisher. He just seems to always have that really positive outlook on life and positive outlook on everything that's going on. So. I saw him the other night on a Zoom call. I, I don't know how, but I ended up on a Zoom call with men's hockey and a couple women's hockey players and, and lacrosse players or whatever it was. But Toombs, he joined in, and, and there he was just chilling out, smiling, having a good time. So, uh, uh, again, two guys who, if you ask anybody on campus to, to name two hockey players, I think these these two are at, the, are at the top of the list, not necessarily because of skill or anything, but because they are really excellent and and people and, and community leaders at the forefront. The the next award, the final award. Now if there was a no brainer, Tyler, it's this one. Uh Tom McGuckin Award, the player of the year. I'm gonna let you guess it. I mean it's gotta be number thirteen. Alex Lester. I'm gonna, 
I'm gonna guess. The Tom uh, No, no surprise. Like you said, partners. It's a no-brainer. Like we knew right off the bat this season that it was gonna be a special one for him. Even he, I think, exceeded expectations just a little bit. A 40-point season, cracked the 100-point plateau. Not to say that we're surprised, but what a job by by him. He he truly led by example. And and that was one thing that I, I would always see from, from up top. Our vantage point is, is is good for that, is where we get a good view of the Ravens bench and if they were ever in a moment where down three nothing or having a having a tough game, unable to score, frustrated on offense, he was he was always the type to he would be on the bench and I would see him, you know, like the rah rah kind of thing, like let's go, let's get at it. But then he'd hop over the bench, he'd get the puck, he'd make a move He'd cut it on goal and he'd score. And that to me is a leader to, to not only be able to say, hey, let's go guys, let's get going, but to then go out and to do it and to execute it and to lead the way. So he did that and, and, and he did it all year long, 40 points, 18 goals. I remember the playoff game against Assumption. They're down 2 nothing. It's not looking good. It's, it's looking bleak. They're on the road. Uh, it's a dumpy arena. <laughs> And uh, he gets the puck on a, on, a, on a fortuitous play and just cuts it on goal and, and just shelves it. And they're right back in it. And then he takes a dirty hit, draws a penalty, comes back on the ice to join the power play. Like, I mean, it's just it's, – it's captain material at its finest. And a no-brainer that he would be named the, uh, the player of the, of the year. Uh, Alex Lester is, is the captain of captains. It's – it's unbelievable, and like you mentioned, the hit he took in that assumption game just to get back on the ice and, and, and continue playing was a captain move, and I spoke to him after one game. I forget what game it was. It was the game with the post-game skate with the Ravens, and I asked him, I said, I said you're, you're breaking all these records, and you're setting all these things. You're going to get all these awards. Is that something that you, you look for in the beginning of the year? And he goes, dude, I just want to win. I want to win hockey games. That's what we're here for. He said it's a nice yeah. bonus, but, but winning hockey is what – Everybody on that team is there for it, and that's what you've got to do. You're a team, and everybody's got to have the same mindset, and I think that's what they had this year, and that's why they made it all the way to that NA10 final. We're going to send it over to the women's side. They added a nice little player to their roster, their commitment list for this season, a forward that spent her last season with the North American Hockey Academy. She is from Vermont. Her name's Emily Preve. Prive, Prive, it's P-R-I-V-E. I guess I'm going to have to find out from her. But a nice little that player. That would be what I would say, yes. Played in the JWHL last year, 18 games played, four goals, five assists for nine points, 18 penalty minutes. I, I think this is this is a good pickup for the Ravens, a nice little late transfer. I think she's going to do well. It, it might not be a, a Cassie Jones situation or Ava Keeson where they're they're all over the ice, like, Opposing coaches are, are formulating their game plans around them, but I think it's going to be a good, like you said, with, with one of the men's guys, a fourth-line guy, kind of play like a Connor Foley kind of start of the season, get get your rhythm going, and then second half it starts just to turn on. Yeah, I think it's it's never bad. It's it's never bad to have depth, and the part of, part of what made this year's women's hockey team so successful was the influx of, of depth, the addition of 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 a strong freshman class that not only could come in to support numbers, 
but could also come in and put up numbers statistically. And, and I think that for Coach Stockdale, it's the same approach this year. It's trying to continue to build a deeper team because in order to compete and to win against opponents like Dartmouth and UNH and UMaine, you have to have a deep, skilled team. You cannot be a one- or two-line team. You can't even be a three-line team, really. You have to have the ability to roll out four lines. I think the Ravens, they got really good this year at getting confident in their bottom six and rolling out the bottom six more and using at least three lines consistently for, for mostly every game. I mean, it's the stark contrast to last year when they had about three, maybe sometimes four full lines. They have an abundance of defense now to work with despite the absences that they're going to be losing with, with Bridget and Delaney and Beans leaving. But I think that this is a nice addition for this team. She's not going to be a player, perhaps, who will come in and tear it up, but she can be a player who can contribute consistently I mean, or, or on a relatively consistent basis. I mean, 18 games played, she put up nine points, not that bad, four goals, five assists, a little bit of everything. So she looks to be a solid third or fourth line player to start this year off. And who knows? She could, like you said, be a bit of a surprising player and work her way up the lineup. And there's one more thing before we end this episode. We, we have to mention it. And that's the first ever draft pick to the NWHL for the Franklin Pierce women's ice hockey program. Bridget Prentice. I mean, unbelievable fourth round pick number 21. She's going over to the Metropolitan Riveters. And the best thing for this, for me at least, is that team plays 45 minutes from my house. I, I told you last night, I said, I'm going to the home opener. Stay at my house if you want, but, but it's, it's unreal. And when she was asked about it, she said, I'm very excited and thankful for the opportunity to continue my hockey career. I want to thank all of my coaches, especially Coach Stockdale, my teammates, and my family who have all helped me reach my goal of playing professional hockey. I wouldn't be where I am today without them, and I can't wait to see what my future as a Riveter has in store. I mean, un- unbelievable four-year career at Franklin Pierce, a captain her senior year, an, un- an even more unbelievable cre- season in her senior year, NEWHA Defender of the Year, led the league in points, most points as a defenseman in Franklin Pierce history, just all the accolades, and then just to go and get drafted in the fourth round of the National Women's Hockey League is just a, what a way to cap off the season this year. Truly, Ezra. I mean, congratulations to Bridget. She's an awesome person. She's an awesome hockey player. She was the Ravens' best player this year, no doubt about it. She was their catalyst. She was their leader. She was driving the play whether it was on the power play or off the power play, she was terrific on the advantage. She had 30 of her 45 points scored on the power play, 13 goals, 17 assists, just on the power play. I mean, that is incredible. 45 points. She had 26 assists. Those both led the NEWHA. She was tied for second in the conference with goals in 19. She just, she went out with a bang. We were talking about it, I believe off air, but, she was producing all the way up until the, till the end. She got the primary assist on the Ravens' last goal of the season on the power play by Caitlin Brightville in that crazy five-overtime game in which she probably played close to 100 minutes of ice time in that affair. It seemed like she was out there forever. The Riveters got a good one. I tweeted that out myself. I, I think that if they are going to put her on the power play, which is what they seem to have drafted her specifically for, being that offensive defender, quarterbacking the power play, if if that's their plan for her, then 
I can't see this not working because that is her element and it's going to be awesome to see. And I hope that she gets to keep her number 33. And, and if, if she does, uh, we'll, I'll certainly, I'll certainly save up some money and, and buy a Jersey. Uh, I, there's two things to me that are really cool for this one. The GM did come out and say like, yeah, Bridget's going to be on our power play that I think that's unbelievable. She really is. I think I called her the Alex Ovechkin or the opposite side. Ovechkin's a righty. Yeah. She's a lefty. <laughs> I did that during the year on a broadcast this year. The other thing that that's really cool to me was she got drafted above other NCAA Division One players, and and yep. it's it's yeah they were D one this year, but this was their first D one season. First. And Bridget Prentice, when she was recruited, was recruited as a D three college hockey player, not as a D one college hockey player. And to go and do this against teams of this caliber and to have a season like this, that it really shows why she was drafted where she was. She was, I believe, the first player of the NAWHA drafted. There was uh, one other player drafted and one player at the end of the season signed a contract beforehand. But um, It was, yeah, Maddie Bishop went from Sacred Heart in the following round. I think that she was the, Bridget was the first official drafted player from the NAWHA, but I believe. Jane Lewis, I think. Played in Boston. They like signed contracts after their yeah. seasons had ended, but nonetheless, it's great for the conference as a whole to get that exposure out there. Being being their first year as as NCAA Division One, you have players drafted, players signed. Um, that is awesome, and for Franklin Pierce as a program, it it's I was so proud because it they've done so well that they did so well this year in their first year as a D one program. And it was so tough the way it ended, but so much to be proud of. And, and it just keeps on rolling. You know, the, the good news and the good vibes keep on rolling in with this team. And it was so fun to watch, especially Bridget, you know, just how she played this year. It, it was a treat to see what they all did as a team. And, and she was right at the forefront of it. So it's, it's awesome to see. And definitely I'm going to catch a game in person uh, if I can. Because Listen, I, I told you I'm going to have a bigger car next year. It's close to my house. I'm driving down. I'm going to the home opener. If she's in the lineup, I'm I'm showing up, because that really is it's it's something cool and something you don't get to experience a lot of times. And 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 even for us, I mean, just to be a part of it is is something unbelievable. I can't even imagine how she's feeling being the person that just got drafted. So, uh, you know, she's got the support system. Every single person affiliated with this hockey program has sent her congratulations. Everybody from playing hockey with her growing up sent her congratulations. I, I have no doubt in my mind she's going to do the same thing in the NWHL that she did in the NEWHA. So, again, Bridget Prentice, congratulations. She's going to tear it up down in Newark, New Jersey at the Barnabas Health Center. And, and I cannot wait for that season to start. But that's going to do it for Episode 8, Season 1, Episode 8. Uh, this one really, I think, is going to be the last episode of, of the first season. Uh, it's been a wild ride. I, I've enjoyed doing it. This is now my, my first of two podcasts, and, and I don't think I could even have thought about the other podcast but without this one. And, and uh, it's always nice to be able to speak your mind and, and give your opinions, and, and to get a platform to do it on is great, and to get people to listen to you is, is even better. So it's been unreal. Tyler, I know you feel the same exact way. It's been unreal. It has been. No, it really has been. Uh, the whole season, the whole involvement that we've had, everything, the podcast, it, it's been such a great time, such a great ride. Um, and I'm glad that we thought, or I'm glad that, you know, we decided 
to do this before we graduated or, or and uh because it's been a lot of fun and and like you said to to have that platform to just talk about this kind of stuff is, is great and who better to talk it to than the guy that i've gotten to share the the last two years with so yeah it's, it's great so with that we'll uh we'll see everybody come august hopefully uh but until then don't be strangers join our zoom calls send us dms whatever you want to do but we- we want to interact with everybody and we want to have a good summer and we cannot wait for the season to start early next year with the women and, and then a little later with the guys. But until then, this was the Pierce Hockey Podcast.